It is 11 a.m. We can now officially start the show. Let's go ahead and roll everything, shall we? And play my jam. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Morning Metro. It is June 1st, 2019. We, of course, your hosts, Gritted One and Cappy Man. Hello. Good morning, Cappy. Hi. Good morning. Yes. How do you How do you feel today? A little bit sleepy, but oh, that's same. the usual for me in the morning. So, oh yeah, I uh, I was up far too late playing uh, playing Minecraft with friends. As Xanatos, who's in chat, will will attest for me here. Uh, we were having quite the fun, and they decided. <laughs> so, a nearby player and and Xanatos, a couple of people decided to ransack my my Minecraft home and like ripped everything apart. I'll have to I'll have to edit the I'll have to I'll highlight the vod. Uh, the video on demand and uh, get that uh, uh, uploaded to YouTube. But I'm okay. I'm tired, obviously, for the aforementioned story. <laughs> so, um, but we've got a bit of a bit of a packed show full of some technology news as usual. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and roll this little intro, little intro out and actually go ahead and uh, kind of get things started. So. Uh, this past week, uh, Computex, um, of course, was a thing. For those of you who don't know, Computex is an event that happens once every year that basically allows for computer companies such as SteelSeries, AMD, Intel, and the like to actually um, present brand new te- technological uh, products um, to the to potential, you know, um, media and advertisers and, and then, of course, the consumer market and everything before it actually does hit consumer market. Um, and we're actually going to head and talk about quite a few of those. And actually, I think the I think the real start show, I'm actually going to move the keyboard from SteelSeries down um, one slot because I think the really the biggest headline really has to go to uh, AMD, who basically stole yeah. the show uh on um in Computex. Uh we have a bit of we have a video from Science Studio on YouTube. I uh, won't play all of it, but we'll play some of it where he discusses a little bit of the um the punches that um that AMD presented. So let's go ahead and check out that video right now here. Let me go ahead and scrub through a little bit. Blame you. So I have a lot of stuff pulled up on my phone here. I'm going to be occasionally looking and referencing it because there's a lot of stuff to go through. Uh, but I want to start first with the CPUs themselves, just so we get a baseline what we're going to be working with uh, and talk about what we expect to come out very soon, uh, especially like the 16-core Ryzen 9 CPUs we're expecting here. Uh, so starting first with Ryzen 5, we have a 3600 6-cores, 12 threads, uh, boost frequency of 4.2 gigahertz, 3 megs of L2 cache, 32 megabytes of L3 cache. And then we have the Ryzen 5 3600X, just a higher boost frequency essentially, uh, and that's a 95 watt chip. Ryzen 7 goes up to the 3700X, that's 8 cores, 16 threads, 4.4 gigahertz boost frequency. This is definitely higher than what we're familiar with uh, regarding Zen and Zen Plus. Ryzen 7 3800X, 8 cores, 16 threads, 4.5 gigahertz boost frequency. Uh, that jumps up to 105 watts, so uh, that's a bit higher. And then Ryzen 9 3900X, 12 cores, 24 threads, a 4 4.6 gigahertz boost frequency. Remember, this isn't talking about all cores, so you won't have an all core 4.6 gigahertz uh, boost frequency. Uh, but you could certainly manually overclock if you wanted. We're not sure how good of overclocking we'll these chips the are going to be. Watch the here, but, but but essentially in that summary, um, AMD and actually I, did, I pulled up a uh, quick article here from um, Anatech or sorry, Engadget um, that basically talks about the fact that AMD just 
came in, swept the show, and left. Um, and so, yeah. and with that, they also announced their um, its first seven nanometer uh, generation Navi uh, graphics card as well. So not only did they take a shot at uh, Intel, they took a shot at AMD as well. And I, I this is great, honestly. This competition is going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, now, of course, obviously, being that it is Computex, we haven't actually seen any actual benchmarks, results from the usual tech reviewers. It's hard to say exactly what we're completely gaining as far as, you know, as a, as the phrase goes, price to performance and things like that and stuff. But um, really, I mean, I'm running a Ryzen. Uh, I'm using an AMD Ryzen 7 2700, which is a six core. No, no, sorry. It's uh, I gotta look at my specs here really quick. Let me, um, I'm running an eight core, 16 thread CPU and, um, like I, I love it and it's really great that they've come out with it. I don't, I wish I could find the actual, like, I know there's like some actual charts and sheets that I wish I could find, but they announced, uh, processors for the laptop, desktop and mobile. Uh, Cappy, what's your thoughts on, on this, please? Uh, I'm I'm totally excited. Um, the reason why I'm really excited is because the where they actually shine is actually in the um, uh, IT infrastructure mm-hmm. because they also announced AMD Epic Rome. Yes, I believe I believe that's what they're called. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, pretty much, it blows the competition out of Intel right now with their with their current xeon processors or their server grade work chips yep the reason why is that uh intel this is this is kind of old news if you've been keeping up with tech news and other things like that is that two vulnerabilities were discovered on intel chips yes that was right yes it was the it it was like micro code into the um intel cpus and pretty much those vulnerabilities degrade the performance to like five to ten percent. Mm-hmm. And when you're in IT infrastructure like supercomputers, um, uh, just having servers and stuff like that, you need mm-hmm. all that power that you can get. Mm-hmm. Especially and, doing a lot of AI stuff. Yeah, and AMD is vulnerable is invulnerable to those uh, words to those uh, vulnerabilities at, at present at the time of recording this episode of course and streaming it um uh yeah and actually um fun interesting video there's a video on uh, jay's two cents youtube channel where he actually demonstrated the effects of actually disabling uh hyper threading in um uh, intel cpus now i think there was also he also mentioned that um uh, I think at one point Apple did something with their CPUs where they like reduced some performance or something or other um, regarding uh, um, regarding like they I guess they changed something with the cores or whatever and it looked it looked like it was like a really big performance hit and it's kind of like the performance hits as far as disabling hyper threading in Intel CPUs is kind of inconclusive at the moment from my understanding um, but because. Uh, the re- I, because uh, AMD is more invulnerable uh, is because they haven't had a chance to be they haven't had a chance to be out as long as Intel, and more people have had more chances to work on work with you know look into Intel's micro architectural code if you will I guess probably probably using the wrong terms or whatever but who cares um, and uh, uh, 
Uh, so they're more, um, they're just currently more vulnerable. Therefore, you're having to reduce um, some of the uh, some of the feature sets of the Intel chip, which almost kind of makes you go like, eh, I don't know if I want to really mess with having to disable because nobody wants to go through their BIOS and do they want to be able to they literally just want to be able to plug and play um really quick here i'm going to insert something also the x570 motherboards were announced um which uh oh and also um pcie gen 4 was announced oh yes yes i forgot about that pcie gen 4 um, which for those of you who don't know, in layman terms, basically the uh, PCI Express um, is a faster uh, way, it's sort of like a faster data connection, essentially. Um, really, really short there. Um, I remember seeing a video from Gamers Nexus where they he was taking a look at a expansion card by MSI, I think, or somebody mm-hmm. that had over four M.2 slots that would actually be able to utilize PCIe Express 4 um, uh, for data transfer, essentially. Uh, because graphics cards don't really need like the high, they don't need that much bandwidth to get the data out. But if you're working, if you're looking more toward prosumer workstation, uh, uh, large computing platforms, uh, PCIe Gen 4 is a huge advantage. For a lot of that stuff, depending on what you're trying to do, whether it's calculation cards or whatever you want to, you know, um, have. But the reason why I brought up the X570 is because they have they now have fans on the chipset because the chipset is reaching over 11 watts, which apparently anything over that requires or could require a fan. Um, now ASUS has claimed that. They they won't necessarily need a fan on their chipset, which is fine. Um, MSI chose to put a small, I think it was like a small, like eighty mil, millimeter fans on their chipset, uh, just for simply just for cooling. Um, and there's mention of Threadripper here in this article, uh, the AM4 socket, um, which hopefully those of you who are on the X, I'm on X470. So forward compatibility could still be a thing. The only thing I'm still really worried about, though, as far as forward compatibility, is because the chipset is... So, I, okay, so if somebody bought a, a 3000 series CPU, and this is a question more for Cappy, if someone bought a 3000 series CPU, and they dropped mm-hmm. it in their X470, does the chip know to just not pull as much from the chipset? Because does will it, would it, like, auto-detect the platform that you're on and therefore not pull as much wattage to the chipset. How is that going to even work? So yes, um, pretty much the chipset is think of it as like a USB thumb drive. So, or a USB drive. Okay. And you're, you're using it with your socket, mm-hmm. uh, your CPU, the CPU automatically detects on what chipset you are using. Mm-hmm. So if you drop it into like a X 470 chipset, it's not going to affect it, or even an X170 chipset. Interesting. Or or the previous generation for the uh, AMD Ryzen, uh, first-gen Ryzen CPUs. If you're still using first-gen Ryzen CPUs, you're still compatible with AMD second-gen and third-gen processors. Because of the AM4 so, socket. Yeah. Pretty much this, this happened with the AM3 
socket. A lot of people were confused about, okay, is, my, is the AMD FX uh, higher-end processors compatible with uh, other AM3 processor sockets? Mm-hmm. However, the problem was is that some boards weren't compatible, and AMD just made a rehash called AM3+. Plus. Got you. Meaning okay. that... Mean that any processors with a TDP of 150 could be placed into the AM3 Plus socket, whereas the AM3 socket cannot take the uh, 150 uh, TDP CPUs. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um. There, so it's all really, really great. Um. The clock speeds are absolutely impressive. Uh. Well, that is to say, as it stands currently. Um, so as as Linus says, putting an asterisk as it stands, uh, because, um, right now we don't know what our, what we're actually going to be like getting as far as, uh, performance and everything else. Cause they can, they can make their benchmarks look as good as they want, obviously. Um, however, if these, if these are actual clock speeds and stuff, um, that's great. Uh, honestly, I don't, th- I don't see myself upgrading to the 3000 series just yet. Um, because my 2000 series right now is running absolutely solid. I really want not touch a good thing right now. Um, but, uh, Cappy, what about you? Would you be switching over to, or would you be up- upgrading or switching anything that you're doing in your workstation? No, not really. Like, I I just upgraded to a 2600X, and I absolutely enjoy it. Like, it, anything that I can throw at it, it works flawlessly. So I I don't see a reason why for me to upgrade to the 300 or the third-gen uh, processors just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe down the line when I build another computer, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, but as of right now... Uh, it, for me, it's a solid pass. But if you're looking for, if you're looking to build a high end um, workstation, workstation or gaming station, definitely go with the Ryzen uh, 300 series as of right now. Um, I also would like to mention that the mobile market is going to see a huge, um, a large shift as well, which would be great because uh, again. Intel's had a long time to flex. I mean, they've been, you know, flexing their their CPU, you know, might for a while. Now, um, as of recently, there was a, I think it was another video from uh, TechQuickie, which is also a um, a series by Linus Media Group. Um, They mentioned that Intel had been struggling to innovate and be of uh, with their CPUs. And apparently, part of that is due to the fact that uh, Intel develops everything in-house. They don't have, whereas AMD, they have, um, I'm going to just use the term loosely of external contractors or external companies that they work with to help them develop the silicon for the chip. Um, Plus, apparently, Intel was also having some sort of, what was it, shortage of something to help make their CPU. I forget what what it was actually. You might know what I'm talking about, though, where they were like, it was talking about they were having a CPU shortage because of um, development or something or not having... Uh, I can't remember what it was. Well, basically, whatever this, whatever that particular issue is, is having it is making it very difficult for them to um, 
get the architecture smaller. You know, because we go for you know ten you know ten nanometer and seven and you know smaller, smaller, smaller. So it's basically it's a smaller surface area with more um, uh, transistors. And I don't, I don't think they were having issues on shortages, but rather the development of the seven nanometer um, chipsets. I. I believe that they were just having issues with it because they they couldn't get it to validate. Let's see um, something here. Intel shortage of CPU. Uh, I know it was something in here. Uh, apparently they're having shortages until the third quarter of uh, 2019, actually. Uh, Intel CPU uh, shortage... To persist, let's see if there's a way to get to the summary. Where this is kind of me looking up things on the fly, unfortunately. I don't normally do that. Um, well, uh, okay. Well, anyway, e- either either way, um, it's kind of like <laughs> it's almost like you could. I could picture the CEO of uh, Intel walks in the office one day, grabs his coffee, and and uh, somebody comes and says, "Yeah, Intel just dropped X Y Z," and the guy just spits his coffee out and he goes. Pfft what because <laughs> like you know like this is you know intel uh, or amd has been a bit of a sleeping dog in a way as far as like you know they they haven't done anything and then they're just like flex and then like all this yeah. stuff drops here uh, they won computex hands down honestly so um super excited about that um but I know we've been cover- talking a lot about AMD and, and and Intel and stuff like that. It's just it's just really nice to to see that. Meanwhile, uh, I'm gonna again I'm gonna shuffle the stories a little bit here because it's a good segue between the two. As we had mentioned, AMD took a shot at Nvidia um, with their Navi GPU, but Nvidia did not. Um, they still showed up and they kind of showed yeah. off with their uh, Quadro series. Uh, RTX laptop and Cappy, I believe this was your story. So you want to go ahead and talk yes, about this, please? Go ahead. So pretty much, um, Nvidia announced that the their Quadro RTX lineup is actually coming to uh, select uh, mobile workstations. From- now, now before anybody before anybody asks anybody who's listening or watching is confused. So Quadro generally is the prosumer. Uh, professional workstation cards, which are generally only available or had been only available in desktops. Um, they're, you know, yes. they're much more, they're not, you know, they're, I mean, you can game on a Quadro, but it's not designed for that. It's more for 3D modeling, uh, 3D world engine stuff, uh, AI things, um, uh, quite a few other heavy, large computing tasks. So just a quick clarification, but Cappy, please continue. So pretty much uh, the, the three work, uh, workstation or four that have been confirmed so far are Dell, HP, Lenovo, and MSI. Mm. Um, and actually ASUS, but they didn't mention that in the article uh, that I'm looking at right now. Uh, pretty much ASUS, their ZenBook Pro lineup, and so on and so forth. MSI, Dell, HP. I don't know exactly what the Dell one is or the HP one. Mm-hmm. What was even worried about the two had a workstation uh, laptops, but but either way, 
Uh, pretty much, they're it, they're going to feature the RTX 500, uh, 5000, uh, 4000, and 3000 uh, Quadro GPUs uh, with a massive GPU memory of up to 16 gigabytes. Pretty yeah. much six more gigabytes than a uh, RTX 2080 Ti. Yeah, I was about to say because that, that's that's pretty because as I recall, um, uh, we had seen graphics cards that were in that large memory buffer space for uh, sort of in regards to uh, some uh, GeForce cards. Um, you know, if you think like 980 Ti and 10 and and things like that, um, mostly the most of the Ti models. Which fun fact, um, Ti actually stands. I think it stood for like Titan or or not Titan. It was like titanium cards. Yep, titanium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so fun, fun little tidbit there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, it's so these, but these cards in particular, again, that size up to 16 gigs in a Quadro in a mobile, really impressive. Oh, like, yeah. continue. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. I'm excited to see how their um, TDP is going to work because I know that they're that the Quadro uh, GPUs are very uh, hot. heat hot demanding and also thermal thermal demanding as well. So it's right. going to be kind of interesting on how they're going to handle the uh, cooling. Um, also, I do want to mention the new lineup of mobile workstation also features the Quadro T2000, T1000, P2, P620, and P520 GPUs. Oof. So pretty much, pretty much, you have a mobile lineup and also a uh, a uh, desktop lineup as well. Ah. So there's there's definitely room for the market for both. Mm-hmm. And the the companies that have been definitely known to use NVIDIA RTX technology is Canon Design, KPF, and Red Digital Cinema mm. all use um, RTX, the Quadro RTX lineups. And generally, to, for more explanation, um, so uh, Red... Red digital cameras um, produce up to like four and eight K footage, which if you're a video editor, you know it can be very hard to decode for editing and scrubbing, especially timeline scrubbing. From my understanding, um, it can be quite a lot to compute all that. Now, um, what I'm interested in is that they're talking about they're talking about these Quadro series cards. But you still need a CPU to operate them. So my question is, what CPU are they going to get paired with? Are they going to be paired with AMD or Intel? They actually confirmed that it's going to be paired up with AMD. Ooh, the AMD three thousand uh, mobile CPUs. Ooh, that's a big ouch for Intel. Yeah. Ouch. Um, like I said, I or like. Like I personally believe, I think competition is healthy healthy in the marketplace. Oh, yeah. And especially with AMD now giving them a run for their money, NVIDIA definitely has to respond either, one, by outperforming them, or two, lowering the prices on some of their CPUs. Yep, definitely. Because, uh, again, now the the thing is that with... NVIDIA workstation cards, I'm very interested to know what the price is going to be for that, because that's not going to be a cheap, that's not going to be a cheap cookie at all. Um, I would imagine it's probably going to be in the same price range as their Titan, 
It's around a thousand, two thousand dollars, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, probably around there. Um, for the mobile, I would imagine probably maybe five hundred. Mm. Um, also, not only that, you uh, it's been rumored that Nvidia is actually going to start selling their mobile workstation chips as a separate purchase too, because a lot of laptops can can benefit from that upgrade. Mm. And especially with the alien, the yes, you remember Alienware fifteen? I think was I think it's the it's the Area fifty one Alienware laptop with the upgradable uh, GPU that was actually specially Mm -hmm. designed by Dell, I think, to actually have it be swappable. Yes, yeah, Uh, they're actually working closely with Dell supposedly. Uh, Just rumors right now. Nothing has been confirmed. Nothing has been denied. But they're supposedly working with Dell and their Alienware line to provide that chip to consumers so that way they can upgrade as well. Yeah. And I do want to make a correction on what I said. HP does have a uh, workstation. It's actually their Z workstations. Ah, okay. Um, uh, I do apologize about that. That's my bad. I'm not really into HP or Dell. Um, I I like Dell. I we've got two Dell laptops in my house. HP, however, oh, I feel sorry for anybody that owns an HP computer because my gosh, their customer support is literally like the worst, one of the worst. I feel done. bad for you because you own two Dells. <laughs> I I don't know. I I don't know if it has to just do with with who I'm getting that day or what. I usually have really good support with Dell. I've never had to. I've never had really any any a singular complaint with them at all. So I don't know. Maybe it's just it just happened to be the day that I called. I guess I don't know. <laughs> at, at my work, we've been having issues with Dell left and right. So Oof. I I'm personally staying away from Dell. In my personal opinion. But, no, that's fine. Uh, but their consumer side, I heard pretty good things about. But their corporate side, like for um, uh, infrastructure and other things like that, especially when it comes to the user end, horrible. Uh-huh. horrible. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Well, um, yeah, no, good good job for, I mean, where's my sound effects? I think we need some, uh, some applause for everybody here. This was a fantastic uh, Computex for everybody. Uh, but we're not done talking about Computex because I love how I just cut that off because uh, SteelSeries introduced something kind of unique. And I've never really thought about this, but SteelSeries, who makes uh, a variety of peripherals from headset mice, uh, mouse pads, controllers, software, etc., introduced a very interesting kind of keyboard, an adjustable mechanical switch. Um, which Cappy, um, I, I think this was another one of your stories. If you go ahead and actually talk about this, cause this is literally very interesting. Okay. So pretty much, um, steel series announced the Omni point switch. Pretty much it's on the fly, adjustable mechanical switches, allowing you to change your actuation points and other things to that nature, uh, for, for your needs. So, a lot of gamers actually run two keyboards, one for work and one for gaming. Oh, and I only run, I only have one keyboard, honestly. That's, uh, that's I, a, have, I have two keyboards. I actually oh, have, I, didn't um, know that. I actually have a Corsair uh, Strafe RGB version with oh. chair, uh, red or red brown switches or something like that. And then I also have a Logitech G910. 
with their own switches because I like the feel of typing on that a lot better than yep. I do with the Corsair keyboard. Gotcha. But I enjoy gaming on my Corsair keyboard than I do with my uh, oh, yeah. uh, G910. I love my, I have a Corsair, um, what was it, the K95 Pro RGB. Um, I absolutely like, I love using it. It's really, really nice. Um, oh, shoot, where did my, oh, I th- we had a small little glitch here. I hit the wrong button. <laughs> hit the wrong transition. Transition. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, go ahead while I try to crop something here on OBS. Um, yeah, go ahead, dear. So pretty much it. They're guaranteed eight times faster response, five times faster actuation, and two times more durable compared to conventional mechanical keyboards. Uh, Pretty much the OmniPoint switches, the response time is 0.7 milliseconds, and actuation point at the lowest is 0.4 millimeters. Mm. Cherry MX Speed uh, switches are actually 6 milliseconds and 1.2 millimeter actuation points. And a standard mechanical switch is six mil, uh, milliseconds and uh, two, two, mil, two millimeter uh, key presses or two millimeter actuation point. The durability uh, for each of them going from top to bottom, 100 million key presses, 50 million and 50 million respectively. Now, well, let's talk about how. So I'm going to go ahead and, and jump in here and talk about how they make it adjustable. Apparently, at the very bottom, now I've never thought about using this. I don't think, I'm, and I'm glad SteelSeries did because I wouldn't have. Uh, they, at the bot, their key switches are unique because they have magnets, very small magnets um, at the underneath the actual physical button. And then at the base of the button is another. Uh, magnet, and they're basically using the power of magnetic force to detect very small changes in the magnetic uh, field between between the top and bottom part of the switch. Now that that is, I've never, I never would have thought of using. And the cool part is because it's magnet, there's no moving parts. The only thing that moves is a spring, and you can yeah. actually in software you can actually adjust the um the magnetic sensitivity in software to make basically you can make a keyboard as fast as you want almost as fast as you want and it's it's very customizable for your particular type of um of presses and and uh and, and uh um actuation and that is literally like that is actually really really cool and definitely super innovative for a keyboard very yes. innovative oh yeah definitely um, they do come in uh, three different colors that you want, uh, red, blue, and brown. Obviously, red's going to be the highest performance. Blue's going to be the mid-range, probably the loudest. And brown's going to be the low end, probably even louder than blue. Got you. Um, so depending on if you like the clackiness of a keyboard, like with, uh, with uh, the... Uh, uh, Cherry MX keys. It'll definitely depend on what version you're going to go with. Um, I, I'm, like I said, I'm definitely looking forward to this, and also has an integrated OLED smart display as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. And the OLED display, apparently, from my understanding, is to help you switch, I guess, between profiles and other, a number of other functionalities too, as I understand. And also to display like. Um, whatever you want like uh say for example uh with my 
old uh, G710, I believe that, that's what it was. Uh, give me a moment here. I actually have a keyboard right here. Uh, G510. I, it actually has a built-in LCD display that you can view, like, uh, your profiles, uh, who's talking on Discord, TeamSpeak, if you oh. still use TeamSpeak. TeamSpeak in 2019, lol. <laughs> and, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, definitely looking forward to what they're going to do with the OLED smart display. I'm sure. really excited. Uh, I'm glad that feature is starting to make a comeback because yeah. I enjoyed that. And also, let's talk about the RGB because I'm looking at the pictures and it looks gorgeous. It does look gorgeous. <laughs> now, these, these, of course, I don't know if they're actual photographs. I could have done a little something in Photoshop, but it does look, yes, it looks very, very nice. Yeah. I'll be honest. The, 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 the fact that. Go ahead. The fact that the whole keyboard lights up, I, I really like that. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'll, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. no, I agree I, with I, you. I kind of got, I kind of got bit by the RGB bug. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, um, I have uh, my Cor- my Corsair keyboard here, which actually needs some cleaning, apparently. And yes, the I like Corsair's implementation of RGB a little bit better than I did on uh, Razer. Oops, um, but. Uh, <laughs> um, but the only thing is that the RGB lighting is kind of, it's not as bright as I would like it to be, but I mean, I can still tell what's going across my keyboard as it is. Um, but um, yeah, the the RGB lighting, the different switches, the adjust, I think the biggest selling point is definitely the adjustable switches. Yeah. That is definitely very, and that built-in LCD screen. Honestly, if I had a... Um, if I had a built-in LCD screen, I think I would like, I would, I would probably have it cycle between different forms of information like CPU usage or GPU or temperatures, especially temperatures would be very interesting to know uh, when I'm gaming and stuff, just to know exactly where I'm like, if I'm hitting anything or, or well, not that I really, I don't really hit any thermal walls, but still it'd be kind of fun. Um, and maybe just yeah. put your own logo there. I don't know. That'd be kind of fun. I could, I could see a lot yeah. of things done with that. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, that's super. That's so. Some of the, these are some of the highlights that we found in Computex. There were definitely a lot more. Um, I know that uh, T Force um, had some uh, SSDs there that um, had um, uh, RGB like covers. Like they weren't integrated into the actual RGB. Like what? Um, oh, who did that? There was Jay's too sensitive video about this, where like the RGB was integrated into the PCB of the SSD and it caused it to like oh thermal throttle but um t-force did a different implementation where the ssd was separate from the rgb lighting so that's also really cool i mean who doesn't want their ssd to light up right nobody asked for this but it's kind of cool and it's there the funny thing is though is if, if you have a case like mine with drive with uh drive sleds you'll and your and save my ssd had rgb leds i'm never gonna see it because it's literally in the drive sled and it's not even it's there's no place for it to like flash you know through or anything like that um but uh, my my case has options for me to mount my ssd sideways mine does too but in mine does too but it's in the back of the case like on the other side where the window panel is not Uh, (laughs) mine's not (laughs) yeah i'm i'm sure i mean i love my i love the case i have but um yeah yeah mine doesn't have all that I, I love the case I have. I have the Thermaltake View 78. Nice. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Definitely really w- well worth case that I purchased and very fun building. Cool. Um, so we're kind of 
sort of having a bit of a short episode, actually. We could have probably filled, I think next time we had to put in a couple more articles, but today seems to be a bit of a short episode. But um, Cappy recently, actually, we're going to have something kind of rare. We actually have a bit of a tech review, actually, to integrate with this um, with this episode. And Cappy recently got a Surface Pro 6 M2 2018 model uh, from uh, Surface by Microsoft. Uh, Cappy, you want to go ahead and maybe give us a little bit of a live, you know, review of of uh, how what's your experience been with a Surface tablet? Honestly, honestly, it's amazing. Um, I might sound a little bit biased, but I I honestly like what Microsoft done with the Surface Pro Six. Uh, they definitely know what they're doing in tablets and portability market. Um, I enjoy typing on the Surface Pro cover and using the Surface Stylus. Uh, definitely, I definitely recommend if you're into the market for a new everyday use uh, computer and also looking for a tablet in one solution, definitely recommend the Surface Pro 6. Gotcha. Um, the one thing that really drew my attention is the fact that the Surface Type cover is excellent to type on. No mechanical switches. There are more butterfly switches, but still it feels like a mechanical switch keyboard. Um, the screen is excellent, has 4K resolution, and is very responsive, and it's fast and reliable, even with the zombie load. Zombie uh, load? Uh, vulnerabilities that, that oh, Intel has. yeah. You know, I really like to actually, uh, uh, while you talk about that, I want to go look up exactly what this what this bug is so we can kind of talk about exactly what this is. But go ahead and keep continuing yeah. while I do this. Um, the price is somewhat startling at $80 for the Surface Pen and $100 for the type cover if you don't buy a bundle, which there are bundles for most models. I believe there's one for the M2, or sorry, M3, actually. I made a typo on that. It's actually M3, I believe. Um, it can it can get a little bit pricey on top of the five hundred starting off or just the surface alone, uh, separately. And if you go with the i five, it goes up to eighty nine ninety nine, and then the i seven, which is a thousand dollars, and that also includes a uh, GPU as well. So if you're looking for a gaming option and also also like a switch replacement. Um, and also looking for a workstation, definitely recommend going with the i7. Um, the storage is non-upgradable, but it does have the capability of a micro SD card slot. And with one terabyte coming out soon, Mm -hmm. uh, definitely, it's definitely worth the price range in my personal opinion. Gotcha. Um, uh, somewhat, they are quite somewhat heavy. These are about a pound each. Yeah, I was wondering about what is um, that like to carry that around and, and use that with with that kind of weight. Is it very substantial? Is it not substantial? Do you not notice after a while? What's the uh, deal on that? To to me, it's non substantial because with my previous laptop and tablet, I was carrying around maybe about eleven pounds each. Got you. Um. But now that I have a Surface, uh, definitely replaces both of those devices and definitely relieves that back issues and other things like that. However, all in all, it is a great device if you're looking for a tablet and a laptop and the price is there for both. Uh, The price is there for both. 
However, if you don't get a bundle, you're looking anywhere from six hundred to one thousand two hundred dollars, depending on what model you get. Oof. However, this is an ex- uh, excellent daily driver, and if you are taking notes or drawing most of the time, uh, Surface Pen is a must. Got you. Okay. Um, I give it a four and a half out of five. If it weren't for the price tag and the fact that essential accessories didn't come with uh, the Surface, then it w- then it would have gotten a five out of five. Gotcha. Um, I definitely enjoy it. Uh, I love the kickstand on it. Uh, there's actually a kickstand that you can use, or as they call it, the tablet stabilizer that you can uh, adjust anywhere from like a, a viewing mode uh, to entertainment mode, and then um, uh, studio mode where it practically lays flat on the sur- on your table mm-hmm. or the desk that you're using or the surface that you're using. No pun intended. Mm. Um, and I, I just really enjoy it. I I think this is definitely six hundred dollars well spent. Um, I like I said, the, uh, it's really great portability. Um, the uses that I'm using it for right now is media consumption. Uh, I actually have my D and D character sheets on here, mm. and I also draw on it as well. Nice. How is, so, it, how is it for drawing? What's the accuracy on that as far as like being able to draw on it? Pen point accuracy. Wow. Honestly, it is very accurate. <clears throat> and that that's because of the technology that they use in uh, the Surface uh, uh, screens. I forget what technology they call it. But pretty much it rejects your palm whenever you use the uh, Microsoft Surface Pen. Ah. And... And it's just really amazing. Uh, Definitely, if you're looking for a new laptop, tablet, or just something to make it more conventional, uh, definitely look into the Surface lineup minus the Surface laptop. I think that the Surface laptop isn't worth the money. Mm -hmm. um, Because, well, Surface, to me, is meant for, like, uh, as a replacement workstation and other things like that. If you're looking for something that's going to be a more higher end that does mm. include a better type cover, uh, look into the Surface Book. Pretty much, the Surface Book has a metal, uh, metal type cover, and allows uh, reversibility and other things like that of the uh, docking station, docking station, so to speak. Got you. Or the and Surface, and, I, and it's a larger screen as well. Got I you. think the Surface Block is 12, no, 14-inch diagonally. Uh, the Surface Pro 6 is 12 diagonally, and then the Surface Pro, or the Surface Go, is 9 inches diagonally and has Windows S mode enabled, but you can disable Windows S mode one way. Got you. Nice. Sounds like a pretty uh, um, good product to invest in. So if you're going to be heading back to school at any point in time, that sounds like a really good uh, small yeah. portable machine for that for that very workload. Graduation graduation times for high school students are right around the corner. Yep. And if you're graduating and just getting out of high school, going to college, I do recommend a Surface compared to any other laptop, even a Mac, a Dell. HP or anything to that nature. Definitely solid build. Definitely worth the price tag. Very cool. 
Um, so kind of doing a little bit of a, I know we're doing a lot of tech news and stuff, and maybe we might, maybe next year we'll start, we'll start a little bit of more world news at some point in time, once I go through the email that we got, which by the way, shameless plug, if you want to email us a story, you can do so at, uh, themorningmetro at gmail.com, and we will look at your, uh, article for review and see if it's worth being on the show. But speaking of articles and more things that I look up on the fly, which I don't normally do. We mentioned a little bit about the zombie load exploit in Intel. What a what a sad what a scary name. But let's go ahead and talk about this. This comes from uh venturebeat.com um and it talks and I'm going to ahead and just read some of the um the key points here. Um so the title of it is Intel zombie uh, load flaw forces OS patches with up to 40% performance hit. When security researchers disclosed a series of major vulnerabilities impacting Intel processors back in January 2018, it was clear that Meltdown and Spectre uh, were needed, were indeed serious. Uh, and it wouldn't be any exploits of multi-threading chips. Now th- now a new Intel vulnerability nicknamed Zombie Load has, a, has, revealed, has been revealed to the public, and though it's already being, uh, being patched by three major operating system uh, makers, there's some bad news. Full protection could reduce your CVS performance by up to, with a little asterisk, 40%. Referred to by the technical name Microarchitectural Data Sampling, the zombie load exploit enables an attacker to access privileged data across trusted or trust boundaries in a cloud hosting environment. It could enable one virtual machine to improperly access information from another. Researchers also showed that it could be used for app surveillance and password acquisition. The vulnerability broadly impacts operating systems that run on Intel chips, including Android, Chrome OS, Linux, and Apple OS, and Windows. Wow, Android 2? Yeah. That's ridiculous, because I've, I've got a Note 4 that's like, what, three years? You know, I kind of, okay, I hate, like, phones are expensive to upgrade, but I hate feeling like I'm a walking security vulnerability right now, honestly. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Um- Go ahead. So some Androids actually use Intel chips, but they're very, very early, uh, 2011. Oh. Um, most most Android operating or most Android phones use uh, Snapdragon processors. Yes. And they're not vulnerable to the zombie load attack. Oh, okay. All right. That's reassuring. So the Note 4 <clears throat> is is invulnerable to that. Oh, all right. I'm still walking security um, vulnerability, but still. <laughs> so I'm actually on ZDNet uh, right now, or ZDNet.com. Yes. And so what the zombie load attack, like you said, it allows a mon- uh, attack to monitor privileged data. Um, it says here on ZDD, or ZDNet.com, that uh, several YouTube demos showed just how deadly MDS attacks can be, with researchers employing in one case a zombie load attack to monitor websites that a user was visiting using privacy-protecting Tor browser running inside a virtual machine. Interesting. So pretty much what this does, it bypasses any, um, from what I can tell, uh, any um, 
VPNs and other things like that, virtual private wow. networks, which is what Tor browser is. All right. Or the Onion Router browser. Got you. Interesting. Um, so it definitely is scary because uh, in a generate in our society today, uh, net neutrality has been definitely a really big thing, and data privacy has been a really big thing. Yep. So it, it's definitely scary on what's going on out there, oh, especially yeah. in the compu uh, the compu specter of IT and um, oh, yeah. other things like that. I can't imagine what this is and, like for data centers who have to now worry about you know these yeah. patches. Um, yeah, it, especially for schools, this is going to be very hard to combat. Yeah, it is because um, they because a lot of. Well, not a lot, but I have heard of schools distributing uh, school laptops uh, to to the um, to different uh, uh, students in question, and you know the fact that we now have a new vulnerability that is um, out there, and also apparently, uh, which is going to cause an issue for the kids who need to do like uh, schoolwork or connecting to the school's website. Um, it, uh, let me go ahead and uh, read a little bit further ahead here. Uh, in a published support document, Apple suggests that the zombie load mitigation will require an Intel chip user to disable Intel's hyper-threading process, processing feature, a major selling point of the chip's, chip maker's CPUs. During testing this month, Apple's now, hold on a second, it says this month, let me quick grab, see what date this is, hold on, before I, this was supposed to be May 14th, 2019, okay, so it's, it's not too old. Um, yeah. Apple says that it found as much as 40% reduction in performance with tests that include multi-threaded workloads and public benchmarks. Okay, now first of all, let's back up just a small little bit. We already know that Apple's performance on their computers is not very good anyway. So their percentages are going to be significantly higher maybe versus laptops, desktops or that were constructed. I'm going to be honest, just constructed more properly. I mean, it's, it's Apple here. Um, uh, I'm going to chime in real quick. Sure. Um, Apple does make good uh, media workstations. So I actually believe that that percentage is actually correct. In my personal opinion, um, I'm, I'm not saying that Apple makes good general everyday use laptops, but that that percentage is, percentage seems right to me. Okay, um, though actual performance impacts will vary between machines, obviously. Yeah. Um, so they've they've introduced a partial uh, a partial patch for mitigation in Mac OS. Um, uh, leaving users to decide whether they want to disable hyper-threading for full protection. Now, first of all, as I... <laughs> okay, you can't even get to the BIOS of an Apple machine, though. How are you going to disable hyper-threading in, in Mac OS? Um, totally not 100% sure. I can talk to one of my friends who's an Apple expert. Um, he might know a little bit more about that. Okay, that would be interesting to know. That would be an interesting follow-up. Um, yeah. Uh, no, this is not like the Baltimore City ransomware uh, red tail. This is actually quite. This is actually very different. This is not that particular um, uh, uh, hack exploit. Um, so basically, in other words, this is just a very um, uh, 
difficult issue um and this was an up this page this article was apparently updated um an intel page discussing the vulnerabilities uh downplays the performance impact suggesting that the performance impact may be swamped at three percent without disabling hyper threading and eight to nine percent with hyper threading disabled though included included charts show uh tinier changes using the latest high-end intel core i9 9900k processors Intel underscores that disabling hyperthreading isn't very isn't really necessary for some users. Co- coincident, yeah. Co- Why are so hard? Okay, so basic. Coincidentally, unless it's uh, necessary for given customers' workloads and security environment, it says that it's not recommending that uh, Intel hyperthreading be disabled, and it's in. And it's important to understand that doing so uh, does not alone provide protection against MDS. Um, yes. So even if you did, you could still be vulnerable. I mean, I, I, I've always kind of said it this way. If a hacker wants it bad enough, they'll get it. Even with security patches. Yeah. So there's really no way to mitigate any kind of, um, uh, any kind of uh, um, uh, preventative attack from this um so yeah we're we're kind of we're kind of messed over either way unless you're on uh amd's platform Ooh, shots fired um <laughs> but uh yeah that's um that's what we're so t- i just thought i'd reference that because we mentioned it earlier and basically that's what that is essentially so um hopefully intel's working on some kind of a patch i hope i mean there's only so much that drivers can do unless it's you know unless it's more because drivers help the stupid thing work um but if there's micro architectural code that can get inserted into just by simple you know computing tasks then an os or driver patch isn't going to fix it you would actually have to you would have to physically patch the hardware like the chip itself correct yeah pretty much um so vulnerabilities even though they can be um mitigated through software or driver updates or even bios updates uh there's still that threat of exploits yeah um that that's kind of the downside of that um Mm -hmm. But the only way to really uh, stop a vulnerability is if you do hardware upgrades. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much like the WannaCry attack and the Spectre meltdown attacks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, every single CPU from both AMD and Intel were affected because of how they were built. Yeah. Um, this is just like the Spectre meltdown uh, fiasco that happened a few years ago. Yep. Um, pretty much the only way to really uh, patch that is to do a hardware upgrade or a processor rehash. I mean, if anything, it's great sales for Intel to, for them to, um, to sell more, to sell you more processors, or this would be a very good uh, time to jump to the, to the, to team red and uh, say goodbye, Intel, until they get their crap fixed, essentially. <laughs> Red versus blue. <laughs> <laughs> Never watched this series by Rooster Teeth, but uh, yes, I know what you're talking about, though. Um, 
Yeah, you think they planned it that way? You know, Red vs. Blue is actually secretly Intel vs. AMD in a comedic series. Did you did you ever that ever cross your mind with that? Conspiracy theory. Gotta get Cons- my tinfoil hat. <laughs> it's just a theory. A game theory. Thanks for watching. <laughs> oh, that's great. So, um, but yeah, we, we're about, uh, we're just about done with this show. Um, it's been, you know, decently long. I usually try to have the episodes be at least an hour long for your listening and viewing pleasure and everything. Um, some other quick notes really, really quick. Um, Microsoft introduced some, uh, some stuff for, um, not like a new windows itself, but, uh, some new, uh, windows like features, I guess for more for, uh, as I understand, I guess more for mobile, um, laptops and stuff like that, um, which sounded pretty interesting. Um, it's not like they're introducing a new, another windows 10 or anything or windows 11, but, uh, they were just introducing some new stuff. Uh, do you want to talk about that a little bit quick, really quick, Cappy? Yes, it looks like it might be a new Windows version. Um, they're uh, with Windows 10 soon ending support in 2025. Oof. Um, it more than likely is going to look like we're going to get a new Windows sometime soon. But this is supposed to be the last Windows operating system. What do you mean? It, 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 more than likely, it's not. Um, what do you? <laughs> Wait, where's my, wait a minute, where's my little, oh, this, this button is what I'm looking for. What do you mean? <laughs> so this cycle, this cycle has been Microsoft's kind of thing. Uh, cycle Windows products every seven to 10 years. Uh, look at Windows 7, for example, that's, that has been around for almost 15 years already. Wow. Um, that's a long and- time. Yeah, it's a very long time for uh, a Microsoft product, and definitely they're they're ending support next year for Windows Seven. Uh, five years later, uh, Windows Ten is going to have end of support. I don't understand uh, something though. They uh, they literally said this is going to be the last Windows update and then or last Windows OS, and then they were going to have Windows Ten as a service, as it was it, you know called. It could be just a uh, rehash of Windows 10. Uh, right now, it's just dubbed Windows 11 because right now it looks like a brand new operating system because there's, from what I have read, there's a lot of reworks happening behind the scene in Windows 10. Uh-huh. With this new, oper- quote, operating system from Microsoft. But more than likely, it's going to be in a feature patch or a service pack or some something to okay. that nature. Okay. Um, more than likely, we're going to have to reinstall Windows 10 to no. get these features. I don't want to. But the nice thing is that with Windows 10, all your data is not going to be lost if they keep the Windows 10 architecture up and running. I kind of, it's, this, is, this is basically how I feel. Uh, and I'm going to summarize how I feel in a series of sounds. That is basically how I feel, essentially. Because I'm getting a little annoyed with, like, having to constantly reinstall Windows. Like, you yes, you can do in-place upgrades. That's fine. But, like, I don't want... Like, if I have to literally reinstall Windows 11, you know, introducing Windows 11, 
I don't want to have to like do that. Like unless they create some kind of way to do like a in place upgrade, as you mentioned, um, I just like make up your mind, Microsoft. Is this a last OS or isn't it? Are you done? Or are you not? Like it's, it's this is they, they do like Microsoft does this constantly. It's like, guys, people don't people have better things to do to reinstall their OS or upgrade it, let alone anybody knowing actually knowing how to even do it to begin with. We also might see a new version of Windows, uh, a new version of Windows 10 Ultimate Pro or Ultimate Home right? or something exactly. like that. Right? <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, Windows Ultimate Everything Extreme. Like, I'm waiting for like the and and can we name it something other? Like, yes, okay, Mac OS, you know, whatever the newest one is. But like Windows, they they go in numbers. Like, I love how we went like ten. Like we went seven. 8, 8.1, skipped 9, went to 10, and then, like, I mean, can Microsoft even count? <laughs> like, what happened to, like, micro, like Windows 6, 7, Windows 9, Windows 9.1, 9 9.5, 9. 9 point whatever, like, I mean, like, hello? There was actually already a Windows 9, so, yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I feel like Microsoft just needs to decide what they're doing and just stick to it already. Like, be if if anything, go to the business model that Apple has, where, like, basically it's not, like, a new Windows. It's just a large feature set upgrade. Like, Windows 10 is super solid. Like, I've actually, I actually forgot what Windows 7 looks like now, honestly. And when I look at Windows 7, I'm like, eh. I mean, Windows Seven's. I mean, Windows Seven. Windows Seven was a very good operating system. Very good operating system. I actually did enjoy Windows Seven a lot. And then went to Windows Ten, and we got all these like nice little like UI changes and everything, um, which I enjoyed. I mean, the fact that the Explore window finally got a, a stinking dark mode uh, was really really nice. Um, but like, you know, it's like Microsoft. Please like decide what we're doing like can we get something that can we decide on something now i i don't i don't know i just uh, it's so it's it's just annoying to me i guess i don't know i'm used to it <laughs> yeah because you do it stuff so you would be yeah yeah all right. Well, I think this episode has dragged on enough. I think I need to stop ranting and, and wind it all down and everything. Um, but uh, wait, where's the oh, crap? I have to, you know, I need to sort out my, my mixer issues at some point. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you guys so, so much for uh, listening and and, uh, and everything. We'll be back. Uh, I think if everything pans out well, probably June 15th with another episode um this of course of course our episodes are posted usually on on mondays actually so you guys won't get this episode actually you'll be listening up this episode on uh uh june 10th so happy monday to you if you happen to listen to the google play version and the itunes version which by the way you should if you are watching this on twitch should um definitely check us out on itunes and google play music simply uh search uh the morning metro as you can see our rolling video over to my uh to my well i guess it'd be to my right your left um, and again, if you have any article submission, you can please you can email us at uh, themorningmetro@gmail.com and follow us on Twitter uh, as at themorningmetro, which is super easy for, to find us. Um, thank you, Cappy, of course, for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for being an awesome listening audience and everything. And we, and otherwise, we'll see you all next time. Let's see if I can properly do this outro without messing up because I keep bringing out words. Goodbye. Otherwise, now. Goodbye. 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 Now. All right. Here we go. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening to the Morning Metro. All stories and articles belong to the respected companies. Songs used for broadcasts. Intro music. Retro Funky by Persephone. Remix by Sundance. Outro music. 305 by Approaching Nirvana. All music belongs to the respected copyright holders. For article submissions, questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at themorningmetro at gmail.com.